You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, last week we started a little mini-series, just two weeks. We had uh, two weeks in between Easter and the previous series, and we really spent some time as a staff praying, collaborating, We were asking the question, what do we need to hear from God's Word? Where do we need to be challenged in regards to where we are as a church? What's next, in in other words? And we talked about, you know, is it prayer, or is it giving, or is it Holy Spirit, or parenting, or salvation? Uh, And what's interesting, what really emerged in our hearts, what kind of bubbled up, was this fact that as we grow, Lord willing... Our culture of volunteerism and servanthood, it has to be strengthened. And we understand that. We all need to put ourselves out there. Everyone say, out there. And what we mean by that is to be serving, to volunteer, to get in the game, to get off the sidelines and say, hey, this is the time to do it. We also realize as a staff that we as a staff have to become better, to make areas known better, places to serve. We need to release potential in other people. We need to have clear expectations, and we, we, we understand that there's some work on our side for sure, and we're working on that. But as a congregation, all of us, every single one of us need to be out there. And when we started talking about being out there, I thought of Seinfeld and Kramer coming in, busting in and saying, Jerry, I'm out there, baby, and I'm loving it. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. And sorry, we're, we're not talking about in that context necessarily. And sorry if, if you can't get your mind off that for the rest of the message. But anyway, that's where my mind went. I was like, oh, yeah. But last week, Pastor Bobby looked at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and then in 4 and 5. And we said, we got to be out there in the world as living sacrifices. Oh, man, that, that hit me hard. Living sacrifice. Oxymoron, right? We need to be out there in our thinking. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Another challenging point. And we said we need to put ourselves out there in regards to being a part of the body of Christ. We need to take a risk. I love that. But the part that really stood out to me in Pastor Bobby's message was at the, towards the end of his message, he shared personally about his story. How through an invitation card, like the one that you might have sat by and we want you to take and give to invite someone to church, And when he was in youth group, or before he was in youth group, someone invited him. There was a giveaway. I asked, did you end up winning anything? Did you ever win that? No? No, he didn't even win, but he he came to church, to youth group. Someone took interest in him, offered him an opportunity to serve, to volunteer. They didn't say, oh, you got to get everything figured out first. You didn't have to quote Psalm 23, or you didn't have to, you know, quote the Apostles' Creed. You didn't even have to be particularly polished, I'm sure. They gave him an opportunity to serve with his guitar 
and then he started singing. I love that. It reminded me of the first opportunity I had to preach. I shared that a few weeks back. Um, <laughs> I prepared, prepared, prayed. I mean, I studied hard. I thought I had a 25-minute window to preach. I preached for five minutes. And it was like, okay, but someone gave me the first chance. Think about it. What if someone didn't give Bobby the first chance? But they did, and he was connected, and it stuck, and through hard times in his life, through the divorce of his parents and other really deep personal issues uh, within the family, Bobby and, and your, spouse, and your uh, siblings, they stuck within the church, and all three of his siblings, or all of them, are now serving in ministry. Bobby believed he could be used by God because someone gave him the opportunity. He believed that he was called, that God's plan for his life was to go to Bible college and then to Connecticut and then now here in Michigan for the last several years. And last week when we looked at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 in the message, in fact, let's put that on the screen here for a moment. Let's look at this uh, because Bobby is living this out. It says, so here is what we want you to do. This is Paul talking to the Romans. God helping you take your every day, your ordinary life, right? You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And how many would agree with me that Bobby is a good example of his life being an offering poured out week in and week out? I agree. And I love that story. He's working out Romans 12. And today, we're going to wrestle with the next step, putting ourselves out there. And we're going to find out that the key for us to put ourselves out there is discovering our why. Why we will be created. What is God's plan for us? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. I pray in these next few moments that you would use the foolishness of preaching to illuminate hearts and minds. God, use me beyond my natural abilities to speak and to, to pierce people's hearts. And Lord, help us to change. Help us to grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I know as I was sharing Bobby's story, maybe you heard it last week, you're thinking, man, good for Bobby, right? I mean, I mean, look at his life. God's really put his hand on his life. Or good for pastors. You might think in general, oh, good for the missionaries. Or good for teachers or doctors or, or other people who are making a difference in the world. And you kind of eliminate yourself from this idea of Romans chapter 12 that we were just looking at. You might think, well, I don't see myself in these verses. Go ahead and put that back up there. The idea, oh, I'm going to live my everyday, my ordinary life for God. My life becomes an offering. And there may be some doubts in some of your lives, in some of your thought lives right now. You're saying, well, my abilities, I can't do that. Or my background eliminates me from serving. Or your current you know, social status, you're saying, man, I'm a nobody, right? Or it could be your availability. You're caught up in your own thing for some reason. And in regards to your calling, maybe you lost that a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. Or maybe, you know, you say, man, my time has passed. My prime is gone. And others of you might just say, you know, I read a verse like Romans 12, and I don't even really have the desire to be an offering. Shouldn't I want to do it if I'm going to do it? I'm not really feeling it. 
in whatever the case might be, you dismiss a great verse in Romans 12. But there's a problem with that. It's because we cannot just pick and choose scriptures that feel good to us or think that would apply to us and then put them into practice. We need to take all of God's word and plus, when an idea is repeated in a similar form, it becomes intensified. Our idea of being out there, of serving, of volunteering, getting in the game, it is reinforced in several places in Scripture. And I want to look at another example. We looked at Romans 12 last week. Today, we're going to look at Ephesians as well. In the book of Ephesians, we know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was uh, writing to the, to the church in Ephesus, and he was writing to a church of people that he planted. He planted that church. So he loved the people. He wanted the best for the people. He wanted God's best for those people. And we know that the church in Ephesus was in a particular town and with a particular culture and with unique challenges for sure. But it was in many ways very much like the church uh, in Romans, right? In Rome. And it's very much like us here at the Gateway Church. The people needed to grow up in their faith, and they were being challenged to do so. Ephesians is a great book to read. It's it's only a few chapters long, and I encourage you to read it. I read it this week, and it was illuminating. But in chapter 4, verse 1, we see a transition in the Scripture. I want to read this, and we'll kind of start here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, that's, that's Paul, he says, Then, or therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Remember Pastor Bobby last week said, that, you know, if there's a therefore, we need to ask why is that therefore, therefore, right? Well, the same kind of idea is in what's happened so far in the book of Ephesians is that he's talked about the work of Christ in our lives. He's talked about the plan for the Gentiles and the Jews to unite, to get along, and for unity. He spent some time uh, talking about what it means to live as a Christ follower. He talks about what a Christian household should look like. And at the end of Ephesians, so this is after chapter 4, at the end, we know, many of you know, uh, because you've read it before, the armor of God discourse, which is really a great strength. But here, he's saying, look, let's stop. He's saying, therefore, live via your calling, so to speak. The calling that you've received, you need to live that out. And then in verse 2 through 10, he's talking about doing it with humility and gentleness and patience. He's saying you better have love and you better be unified. In verses 4, and four 5, and 6, he talks about being part of one body and one spirit and how God is over it all. And he spends some time there. And then in verse 11, I want to pick up there, it's, he says this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Why? Verse 12, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Now, in verse 12, there's a little word, works. To equip 
the people for works of service. And you might be thinking, hey, I've read Ephesians before. I've seen that word before, and you're absolutely right. If you go back just a couple chapters uh, to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, one of my all-time favorite verses in, in Scripture, for sure, it says this, For we are God's worksmanship, or His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Same word. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we see these works and how important that is. When we talk about it, we think about workmanship or handy work. I think of hobbies or a trade or, you know, things that, that you've maybe made yourself. In fact, how many of you, just show of hands, have made something yourself with your own two hands? I have too. You've crafted something. You've molded something. You wrenched on something. You put in the kitchen ingredients together, and a you followed a recipe. You built something, right? And I thought about it, and what came to mind is something that I made many, many years ago in junior high. And maybe you didn't even notice that this was here, but I'm about to reveal this masterpiece. Now, mind you, sixth grade, seventh grade was a time frame. In workshop, they required us to make a piece of furniture for our house. And it was the whole class, the whole semester's project. And this is what, I had to design this. I had to, and then I worked on it, picked the wood, and I sanded and routered and stapled it together. I mean, and, and it, this is my handiwork. Anyone want to see it? Okay, all right, I'm glad. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's a, she's a beauty. I mean, look at these angles. I had to design this right up front. Oh, yeah. And I made this, and I was so proud of this. I got an A, believe it or not. It's a little patinaed now. I don't know if you can tell from there, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's been worn. All through high school, I had my stereo system on it in my room. I got married, and it moved with us to Springfield, Missouri, and was was in our it was in our little 550 square foot apartment. We moved it then to Dayton, Ohio, to our first apartment there, and then to our first house in Dayton, and then to our second house in Dayton, and then when we moved here, it moved with us again because I made it. <laughs> And Jessica, she's not here. She's out of town this weekend. She can't defend herself, but she wanted to get rid of this at one point. I said, uh-uh. And I really thought that Reagan, my daughter, when she was going to go off to college in Minneapolis, I thought it was in her room for a lot of years. I thought, oh, she's going to want to take this. And so I made the offer. I said, Reagan, you can take that with you. It's kind of like an heirloom piece. And as you can tell, she's at college, and it's still in our house. <laughs> First service, Logan said, I got you, Dad. <laughs> so, Logan, it's all yours, baby. And your kids and their grandkids, whatever. It's my handiwork. Let me just see that show of hands again. How many of you ever made something, and you can resonate? You're like, oh, yeah. Like, I, you, you feel you, you're connected. 
and I don't know how you would rate this, a one out of ten, one being trash, ten being perfect, right? I mean, to me, this is a good solid eight or nine, but, uh, um, but did someone just say three? I'm going to strike that comment. But whether it's a three or a five or a six, compared to God's handiwork, can you imagine God making something and it not being a perfect ten? And then this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says that humans are God's handiwork. That means that you and I are God's handiwork, his craftsmanship. And let me just remind you, God does not make mistakes. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't make junk. And Ephesians 2.10 is not the only place in Scripture where we find our purpose or what we're we're supposed to do in our lives. We see it in Romans 12 last week. Bobby unlaid that. We see it in Ephesians 4. We're looking at some of those verses. You can look to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, above all, love, I did the same thing first service. I'm Reading verse 8. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So there's something for you to do. You have gifts and abilities. You've been created by God, and you're supposed to serve as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. We are disciples of Christ. We see that in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. We see this. I love it. He calls the crowd around. Jesus does. His disciples are there. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. say, huh, maybe God has a plan. Maybe God does have a purpose. In Luke chapter uh, 9, verse 48, we see again, for anyone who's the least among you will be the greatest. You're saying, okay, I want to be great. Well, I got to be the least. I got to be serving. And then in one more, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, it says, the greatest among you will be a servant. And I was thinking about it. God's plan, God's call on each of our lives in some way, in a general sense, is exactly the same for every single one of us. And his call is for us to be serving, to be in the game. And I get it. Some of you are saying, man, I don't feel like that's even possible in my life for a variety of reasons. And I get it. There have been times I've said, man, I disqualify myself from serving in the place that I'm serving. It's just the truth. But it's in those moments I'm reminded what the Spirit of God says, that we are Spirit-empowered, right? And we are commissioned to serve, but we don't do it on our own strength. When we are weak, He is strong. Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And God's plan for us to be out there serving, volunteering, being involved is absolutely obtainable for every single one of us. Now, the big question that comes with this is, well, where do I serve? How do I serve? How often do I serve? And maybe why am I serving in an area? And I think the key is found in a little uh, illustration we're going to kind of walk through, that we need to discover our why. In your bulletins, you got a little blue 
page like this. And um, I'm going to ask uh, Joe Richards if you can jump up. There was some on the back. And Mike Knutson right on the back there. If you just walk down. We want to make sure everyone has one of these in your hand. So if you got a bulletin, you got one. But if not, just you know, catch their eye real quick. Start up front and work your way back if you, if you could. And uh, we'll just give those out quickly. And, and when, you're, when you're getting this, we're going to discover our why. I, I believe deeply that each of us were created uniquely with gifts and abilities and passions and experience, right? And we are all a part of the body of Christ. We see that many times in Scripture, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 for sure. Each of us need to be out there, but church, it just catch my eye here for a moment, the onus is on you to discover why you were created and then get to work and start to serve. The onus is on you to discover, and we're going to give you, we're going to walk you through a little exercise that's going to help you to do just that. This is an exercise that will help you discover your place in life and in, in, uh, in serving what maybe within the church context or serving within the community or serving across the globe. And the first question you have to answer is, what is my passion? What is my passion? This is such an important question. What do you do when you're done doing what you have to do, so to speak? Can you get your mind around that for a moment? When you get all your work done and everything, all your responsibilities, and you finally take a big breath and you go, whew, then what do you do? That relates most often to our passion. When you don't have to do anything else and you're, all, you're doing it, and I believe that God can use the thing that you do when you're done doing the things that you have to do. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you love animals. I believe God could use that in your life. Maybe you love the weekends. Oh, yeah. And you're saying, yeah, I, God could use that in you. Maybe you've got a business mind, and even after you're done at work, your mind is always thinking business. God could use that. Maybe you love to read. God could use your love for reading. Or maybe it's gardening or lawn care or sports or music. You, I don't know what your passion is, but whatever it is, I believe God can use it. It's part of why you were uniquely created and what God's plan is for you. Now, how many of you remember growing up and you had to play an instrument uh, in fifth or sixth grade band, right? You had to pick an instrument. Yeah. I picked the cornet, which is a trumpet, which is a kind of a lame trumpet, I guess. But anyway, I played the trumpet, and I did okay, didn't do great. Um, I certainly didn't excel um, like some of the other kids, and it was a chore in my house to play the trumpets 10 minutes a day, and my parents were pretty serious about it, and so I played 10 minutes a day, and it was kind of what it was, and I'm not a trumpet player. If you put a trumpet in my hand today, I don't think I could make it even go. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I wouldn't even want to try, but how many know when you're passionate about something that it just doesn't take any effort? It's a different story with my son, Logan, who plays the drums this morning. He played the drums this morning. How many appreciate all of our drummers and Logan? Yeah, they just do such a good job. But Logan, when it comes to drums, when he gets home after school, I promise you this, most days he goes downstairs and he plays the drums. 
after he's done with his homework, because we make him do his homework, he plays the drums. Before bed, he's like, oh, I'm going to go down and play the drums. This is the honest truth. Yesterday, he had a friend over. And I thought, oh, that's good. And I thought maybe his friend left because I heard Logan playing the drums. I'm like, that's weird. So I go downstairs. His friend is sitting there watching him play the drums. <laughs> Get your mind around that. <laughs> I have no idea. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but he loves to play the drums. We call him a drumming fool at our house. <laughs> and uh, it is what it is. And we don't have to help him to do that. He plays literally hours and hours every single week. And it shows, and he does a good job. What is your passion? I believe God can use that. It's part of discovering your why. Number two, what causes you pain? What causes me pain? you got to answer that question. There's a great book called uh, Holy Discontent, I think. It was Bill Hybel's book. I read it a few years back, and it just talks about what is it in your life that when you see it, you see something happening, you cringe inside, and you're saying, oh, someone has to do something about that. And he talks about having a Popeye moment. I barely know Popeye, but I know some of you know Popeye. And he tells in the book that Popeye, you know, he'd kind of get all stirred up. And at, at one point, uh, Popeye, he would say, I've had all I can stand. I can stand it no more or something like that. And then his muscles pop out, which mine could. But, uh, uh, and he has a Popeye moment. What is it in your life that is that Popeye moment? For some of you, it's the plight for the foster care system in our community, and I've seen it. For the others of you, it's, it's when someone handles their finances bad, it makes you cringe. For others of you, Pastor Bruce, this would apply for you. When you see a teenage student that's, that's you know, not serving the Lord or, or not doing well, you're saying, man, someone's got to get in that kid's life. It's passion. Or it, what, what causes you pain. Maybe it's a medical needs around the world or people who don't speak well. Rocky Nichols, who preached a few, year, few weeks ago, he, he works with people and coaches people. Others of you, it's when you see lazy people. It's like, ugh, you just want to get in their face or dishonest people or whatever the case might be. What causes you pain? What makes you cringe? And the key here is not to remove the pain. You don't just hide it. You expose it and let it change you. I believe that every church that's ever been established, all the way from, from the time in Scripture till today, including the Gateway Church that we're sitting in today, and maybe you're tuning in online, welcome. Every church was established out of pain, out of a situation saying, you know what? There needs to be a healthy church, another healthy church in that community. There are people going to hell that need to be reached. And it's interesting. My friend Jim Wiegand says that our pain is our superpower. Oh, I love that. It's our superpower. It's what motivates us. It's what supercharges us to do something. And it's important that we understand it unlocks God's plan. Nothing ever happens in life without pain. So there's passion, there's pain, and the third question you need to ask yourself here is where am I 
proficient. Three Ps. And it's at this moment that you're saying, well, that wasn't original with Pastor Ben because he couldn't come up with that. And you're probably right. But listen, where are you proficient? What are you good at doing? Are you good at working with cars or good in the kitchen with cooking? Are you good crafting or are you good in lawn care or are you good with numbers or great with people or are you a good public speaker? You see, we are all good at something. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm good at sleeping <laughs> or I'm good at spending money. And uh, I was mentioning this to Logan and Logan says, some people are good at being annoying. <laughs> I have no idea who he's talking about. But what if we took what we're good at, what we're proficient at, and we combined that with our passion and our pain, and the three overlapped? It's that is what happens. That's how you discover why you were created. It discovers your why. You found something that hit all of those criteria, and it does. If you found something that fit all these criteria, and you could do it, something about that, and there's a sweet spot right in the middle that's kind of uh, uh, faded out or kind of bolded in the middle there, you would do it no matter what. You don't even have to get paid to do it because you're passionate about it. It pains you, and you're proficient around it. And I believe that when you start to discover these things, it reveals God's plan for your life. What if? Those three could overlap, and you could get insight related to God's plan for your life. It is possible to see these three things overlap. Let me give you an example. In my own life, many of you guys know that I like a clean car, and I've liked a clean car ever since I was 15, and I bought my first car for $525. I had the cleanest car probably in my whole school, no doubt, maybe at my church, probably in the city, because I would wash that thing and wax it, and you're thinking, a $500 car, really? Is it even worth washing once? And if it, if it drizzled a little bit in the, in the morning, and I'd wash it the day before, and i get home, I'm washing it again. And I might even wax it, because it was a little escort, and you could do it in about 20 minutes. And I wanted a clean car. Now, that's a passion of mine. It's still a passion of mine. I had, a couple of years ago, I had a hot water spigot put in my, in my garage, and I've got a drain in my garage at my house now, and I will wash my car every time it gets dirty. Uh, I mean, almost every time it gets dirty. And I will wash it in the middle of the winter. It doesn't matter what's happening outside. I close that garage door. I will wash my car over and over. I wax it. I will wax my car probably you know, once every other month or maybe more. And I like to do that. I'm passionate about it. Now, passion. What's an area that, I'm, that causes me pain? You might imagine that I care about lost people. And I care about missions. Because I think missions is a great way to reach the, to the ends of the earth. And I've been passionate about missions ever since I was in, in junior high. And I remember making my first faith promise. And it just moves me when I hear stories of people being reached and, uh, and missionaries going for it. And uh, I, it, it moves me. And there's this idea that, man, there's, there's some pain around that. And I'm saying, man, someone's got to do that. And I, I want to be a part of that. What's an area that I'm proficient in? Some of you know I can sell things. And, uh, and, I've, and so you say, okay, well, how do you put those three things together? Well, in my life, 
There was a season in my life before we moved here that I had a dealer's license for buying cars, and my and I considered myself bivocational, even though I had a full-time job at the church, and they paid me okay. Um, I was buying and selling cars, and literally, I bought and sold hundreds of cars in that season. I cleaned so many cars at my last house. We only lived there for two years, that the driveway was black when we had moved. <laughs> And it was, just, it was just what happened. I mean, I cleaned hundreds of cars. And in that season, you say, well, how does that work all together? Well, I was passionate about it. I was proficient at selling cars. Obviously, I could uh, make a sale. But in that season, 50% of everything that I made went to missions. And the Lord, it was like I couldn't sell enough cars. It was, it was pretty awesome. And you're saying, okay, all right, I see how those three things come together. It wasn't even like work to me. I enjoyed it. I loved going to the auto auction. I loved cleaning cars, all those things. And I knew I was making a difference for missions. See how that works together? And it was part of who God has created me to be. And I'm not so much into cars. I mean, I still like a clean car. But I mentioned last week I had 16 or 17 watches to sell. I've listed them all. And I sold five, five watches. One this morning went off and like, ding. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. And so I've got some work to do. But I've sold four or five watches this week for the building program. And that doesn't matter. But I like to say it, not only what's your passion, pain, or proficient. I like this too. What thrills you, what kills you, and what fills you. And if you can wrestle with this idea I believe that God's plan is wrapped up in discovering this truth for your life. It's the truth. And at the Gateway Church, it's our job is not to say, hey, we need you know, uh, more worship leaders, or we need someone to work in the sound, or we need someone to uh, usher. We need to come alongside you and say, hey, what's your passion? What causes you pain? And what are you good at doing? Because if it's true, uh, what Mark Twain said, the two best days, the two greatest days in a person's life is the day that they were born and the day that they found out why they were born. And I believe that some of you know your why. Others of you need to be discovering that. And again, at our job at the Gateway Church is to let you be who you were created to be. Now, you ask yourself, what is my passion? What is, causes me pain? Where am I proficient? There's one other thing that you have to have in the mix. It's surrender. A desire to do what God has called you to do. Because you could have these things, what thrills you, kills you, what fills you, and totally be disconnected from what God wants. But when you say, Lord, I surrender to your will, to your way, I believe when you add surrender to this diagram, you are headed for greatness. And greatness comes when you serve and when you give back. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, in the Message Bible, you're going to like this. It says, in light of all this, we read it earlier, and we're reading it in a different version. Here is what I want you to do. 
As I read this, I want you to think that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking directly to you, or the Holy Spirit speaking directly to you. Here is what I want you to do. He says, while I was locked up, or while I'm locked up here, the prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there. We should have bolded that. That's our theme for this two weeks, to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. Now, let's make this personal. Put yourself in these verses. Go back to the beginning of that if you could. This is what I want you to do. Put your name there. Ben, my name. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run the road God called me to travel. And in order to do that, we need to wrestle with why we were created. We need to discover our why. And what we've done is we've left some time in the service to answer some of these questions. And for some of you, it's already going, and you're thinking, man, I need to do something. I, you know, God's speaking to you already. Others of you, as we, what we've done is we want to create an atmosphere for you to explore, to start to fill out some of these things, to answer some of these questions. And there's a pen right in front of you. If you haven't been following along, we're going we're gonna to sing a song, or the worship team is going to sing. We're going to have you stay seated. And there's a song called Surrender, or I Surrender. And there's a part of the song that says, Speak to me now. And what we're going to ask is the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us in regards to discovering the why, why we were created. For some of you, again, this will just be the start of the journey. I'm not expecting that you, you'll get it all together uh, right this moment. But we can do some work around this, and that's what we want to do here for the next moment. At a moment in the song, at a certain time, then we will uh, bring it back, and I'll have you stand. But for right now, take out these or keep these sheets out, and what we want to do is answer these three questions. What is my passion? What causes me pain? And where am I proficient? Let's do it together. ideas that kind of came to my mind as we were wrapping up first service. The first idea was that there may be some that are here that you are doing things that don't really line up in those three areas and you are frustrated. You are, it's painful. <laughs> and I don't even know what that could be. No ideas came to mind exactly, but I'm just thinking like, you know, there are things you know, when, when it's all working together, it's easy, it's effortless, it's smooth, and you're not in that place. And a big takeaway might be for you to step away or to stop doing something. But for many of you, there are opportunities all across the lakeshore. There are opportunities here. 
at the Gateway Church, that as you explore why you were created uniquely, we would love to come alongside you and you need to pick up a ministry, pick up an opportunity, start something and let God work because we were all created. We're created like perfect tens with a plan and a purpose according to Ephesians 2.10 which God has created in advance for you and for me to do. Do you believe that? Lord, I pray that this would just be the start as we've identified some areas, as we now will explore how those overlap and how we could be used. God, I pray that you would do a great work in our hearts and our lives. God, that you would get the glory for everything that is said and done in our lives. Lord, we want to be used by you. And God, I started this service saying that as we grow, volunteerism needs to be strong. Lord, this is the key for people to find their place and discover their why. Lord, help us in this and help us to remember to surrender to your plan and your will Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. And now, Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone before you leave this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.